This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mama told me, son, go and play in the yard. Papa said, go and play. You gotta break your stomach on the street real hard. Go play in the yard. Go play in the yard. You gotta bring your And welcome to it. Welcome to Inside the Yard. Brett Hollander and Jeff Arnold, just a couple of Orioles broadcasters after really a good weekend in Washington until the bitter end where it had one of the more bizarre conclusions you will ever see in baseball. Jeff, what did we witness during a rain delay as we record this? This is yesterday. I have been in the minor league. I was in the minor leagues for eight years and I've seen tarps blow away. I've seen tarps get stuck because the umpires called for them too late. I've seen not enough people being out there to properly get the tarp on the field. I've seen pretty much everything that there is to see when it comes to executing a tarp pull correctly. And I've seen it when it comes to executing it incorrectly. But the inability to get the tarp on the field and protect the dirt, which when you go into a rain delay, that is priority number one. I have never seen a tarp unable to be put on the field because it was not rolled up the right way. Unbelievable. It really was. It really, really was. Um, all right, let's talk about the team for a second. We have Orioles pitching prospect Grayson Rodriguez and Ben McDonald joining us for our insider segment. But before we get to that, it was really a thrilling weekend. I mean, the Orioles beat down the Nationals Friday, uh, painting the cover off the ball, 19 hits, 11 runs behind Tommy Malone, uh, shut out Washington. Comeback Saturday, I mean, a dramatic eighth-inning comeback where the Orioles were dormant offensively all game long. They explode. Brandon Hyde calling for two pinch hitters, back-to-back home runs, and then the Earl Weaver special by Santander. And then to win that game and then to be on their way to a victory, it's by no means done on Sunday. I mean, they played really well this weekend. They played really well, and they got to some really good pitchers. Sean Doolittle, I know he hasn't been right, and his velocity's down, and he's not getting lefties out, and he's having mechanical problems. But still, when you can get back-to-back home runs by pinch hitters, first time that that had happened since 1985 by Orioles team, and then Santander with the coup de grace later on in the inning against uh, Daniel Hudson. I mean, think about it. The Nationals, they had two pitchers last year that they relied on in the postseason in their run to win a World Series. It was Hudson and Doolittle, and you got to both of them in the same inning. And then the next day, you face Steven Strasburg. I know it's his first start. I know he's not fully built up, but he'd held you in check over four innings. And then you get to the fifth, and that Pat Valeka plate appearance, when, when, he, when he walked him on four pitches in a row, I'm starting to think to myself, this isn't good if they keep him in. Something's going to happen here. And sure enough, it did. They got to him in a big way. And so I thought it was great for the Orioles. They remained aggressive. Brandon Hyde is talking about trying to balance the aggressiveness while also being careful that you're picking the right pitches to be aggressive against. And this weekend, the Orioles found the way to do that. And their approach has been working. I mean, on, on first pitch batting average, they're tops in the big leagues. They got Santander who will ambush you 
at any possible point, as will Alberto, as will pretty much anybody on this team. So it's an approach that's working right now. You just hope that as pitchers adjust, that the Orioles hitters are going to be able to adjust to. That's a really, really good point. All right. Coming up right now, our interview with Grayson Rodriguez. And Jeff, if you look at the Orioles farm system, he's certainly a top three prospect right now. I think that is universally considered. Most places have him as the second best prospect in the system behind Adley Rutschman and slightly ahead of fellow first round pick from the year before, another high school pitcher in D.L. Hall. Uh, you didn't get a chance to see Grayson last year. He dominated the South Atlantic League. When you stack up his Sally League numbers, uh, it, it stacks up against, you know, for anybody, especially when you consider his age last year, just 19 years old. He's really mature, too. That's, that's what stands out about him. You know, high school pitchers, it might take them a little bit longer to, to find their stride. I found it really interesting how he talked about he was probably a better hitter than a pitcher when he was in high school. He had 12 home runs in his senior year, which is, which is pretty nuts anywhere. But, yeah, he, he has all the credentials that you need to do really good things. And as he continues to work with some of the tech that they have at the alternate site, as he continues to face great hitters like Mount Castle, like Adley Rutschman, guys with major league time, that's only going to make him a better pitcher. And while it's not going to be exactly like playing a full minor league season, you expected him probably to be in the Carolina League this year with the Frederick Keys. It's as good as it can possibly be. And I think he comes out of this year in a better spot and in the right position to attack 2021 and, and hopefully do some real damage in the minor league system. Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting to watch where Mike Elias kind of puts these prospects next season. Does he have them skip the year they were supposed to be and perhaps Grayson and DL are together next year and Bowie or we'll see how it works out or wherever it is um, in the double A experience. All right, let's get to it. Uh, Orioles pitching prospect Grayson Rodriguez. And joining us right now on Inside the Yard is one of the top pitching prospects in all the land, big right-hander Grayson Rodriguez, the 11th overall pick in the 2018 draft by the Baltimore Orioles. Grayson, how you doing? I'm good. How are y'all? Doing very well. How's life in Bowie at the alternate site? It's been good so far. You know, it's great to just get out and play baseball again. So I'm happy to do that. Grayson, can you kind of walk us through what a typical day for you at the alternate site is like and, and just how it works? Yeah, so uh, when we show up, we have to go through the medical intake trailer. Um, it's where a lot of trainers and doctors are, and we have to, you know, take our temperatures and, you know, do our spit tests or, or whatever they have planned for us. And then, you know, we have to fill out, fill out a questionnaire about any symptoms. Um, and then after that, then we're good to go. And we can, uh, you know, just kind of get our, get our stuff rolling that day. For you, what's the competitiveness of the Bowie site like? I mean, do you feel, you know, a lot of people are going to say it's a lost season for someone like you. You don't get the Ennies, you don't get the competitive experience. But is that fair in your estimation? Um, you know, I mean, it is a little different. It's a little different not having fans and, uh, you know, not as competitive. But we're still able to get pretty good work in, you know, and uh, – in live situations with hitters and, you know, pitchers up there throwing the guys in account, you know. And, um, I mean, I think I think a lot of work is still being able to get done. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's, it's, a, pretty, it's a pretty neat and uh, distinct experience, I guess. Got a lot of really good hitters up there. Who has been the toughest hitter that you have faced so far and why? 
Uh, Ryan Mountcastle, no doubt about that. Um, you know, I haven't I haven't thrown to him personally yet, but um, I mean, he's you know he's done some tremendous things so far, and you know, guys guys can't sneak anything past him. Some of the best pitching prospects in the organization are at the alternate site. You, another top 100 prospect in DL Hall, another first round pick. Uh, Michael Balbin, uh, Dean Kramer, more some of the more the veteran prospects. Keegan Aiken, who was just called up to the big leagues. Is it competitive with the group itself? You know, you, these are people who are you know top draft picks and and have gotten a lot of uh, prospect accolades. Uh, what's it been like among the group of pitchers? Uh, it's been fun. You know, we have our own little competitions that we'll do, or you know, just kind of learning from each other. It's a big it's a big learning experience. You know, um, it's a little bit different you know, from it would be in a season. But, um, you know, we're able to learn a lot from each other. Um, bullpens, you know, out in, out in a sim game or, you know, just playing catch. Um, you know, we're able to be together a lot. And, uh, you know, I mean, during the year we'd be at, you know, different levels, different affiliates, and we wouldn't have this time to, you know, to try to work together, um, you know, and just get better. Based on your time working with some of these pitchers as well as pitching coaches and having all the different tech there, what's a – a thing or two that you've been able to improve upon since you've been in Bowie? Um, you know, just spin direction. Uh, it's a big thing uh, with pitchers, and it's really it's about how the ball rotates and where it would translate onto a clock, I guess, would be the easiest. And, um, you know, fastball, fastball spin direction, you kind of want it as close as you can to 12 o'clock. And, um, you know, when I showed up here, it was a little bit – it was a little bit 1, one fifteen, and we're able to get – you know, use the TrackMan units and use the Edutronic cameras to get it back to 12.30, 12.15, where it needs to be. So, Grayson, take us through your pitch arsenal. Uh, throw a four-seam fastball and then a knuckle curve, a slider, a circle changeup, and a cutter. Which one of those secondary pitches do you like the most right now, and which one are you working the hardest on improving? Um, you know, I mean, the, the curveball and the slider, it's just whichever one's there that night, uh, that night of the start. Um, you know, I mean, really, you know, both of them, all those pitches, I feel like I can throw the same with the same confidence. And, um, you know, it's just kind of which ones we have on a given night. And if I have all of them, then, you know, we're able to work pretty well and deep into the game. And, um, I'd say definitely the change-ups what I've been working on the most lately. Um. You know, like I said, spin direction, a changeup you wanted at 3 o'clock, and um, being able to utilize all the technology and stuff that we have has been, it's been pretty essential in that development. Do you guys, and do you personally, I mean, you're in a hotel in Bowie uh, and playing ball during the day. Do you guys watch the big club at night? Or did you guys have a chance to do that? Do you kind of keep tabs on it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I watch the game every night, every night. Um I mean, it's just something that really interests me. You know, I just like watching baseball in general, no matter if it's the Orioles or somebody else, you know, there's, there's always something you can learn from it from watching it on TV. But yeah, I definitely have the Orioles game going on every night. When you're watching other pitchers, either in the major leagues right now, or maybe if you watch old games, who you pay the closest attention to? Um, you know, I'd be doing everybody a disservice if I said one guy, but, um, you know, just, being able to watch the whole staff, um, you know, I mean, they've done a great job so far, as you can see, you know, the Orioles are playing good baseball. And from a hitting standpoint, you know, I mean, they're just, you know, they're knocking the cover off of it. But the pitchers have been throwing the ball really well. The bullpen's been throwing good. 
you know i mean i just kind of i just like watching each of them in general because they're all different you know who was a pitcher you like watching growing up who was your favorite pitcher Mm, that's a tough one too you know i mean there's there's a lot of guys um you know with with roger clemens with the astros when i was younger he was towards the end of his career and then um I'd say Cliff Lee was a big one with when he came to the Texas Rangers from the Phillies, you know, that was a pretty cool experience. And, um, Cole Hamill's another one with the Rangers, you know, it's a lot of guys that are with the Rangers and the Astros since me being from Texas. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of them, Roy Oswalt and Andy Pettit, you know, those are some good ones that I remember from my childhood. When you were growing up and you're one of the best pitchers in the Orioles minor league system right now, but, were you always the best pitcher on your team, the best pitcher in your league? Like, were you always, like, the best player that, that your team had when, when you were growing up? No, no. Um, I was always a better hitter. You know, growing up, it was always hit first, pitch second. And, uh, you know, I mean, as a young kid and then even into high school, you know, I always threw hard. My mechanics necessarily weren't there. And, you know, I mean, I just, I just threw hard. And, and hitting, you know, hitting was, was the one thing. My dad was an outfielder in college and, you know, he was able to teach me how to hit and my little brother hits better than he pitches. And, you know, we were, we were just, we were hitters growing up. And then in high school, my junior year, really, I went, I went and saw a pitching coach a couple of times, you know, and we really worked, worked in mechanics and I was able to kind of just string it all in together and make it work. So in your senior year of high school, were you a better pitcher or hitter on that team? I'd say a better pitcher. At that point, that year, yeah. I mean, I still, I still hit the ball really well, but I think pitching kind of overtook it there, there at the end. So, how many home runs did you hit your senior year? Twelve. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. My average was over five hundred, but hey, that's high school baseball. <laughs> Grayson, last one for me. Um, you have time at the field every day. You come back. To- a hotel not a whole lot going on so when you're in in your room and trying to entertain yourself until the next day rolls around uh, besides watching baseball what are you doing Netflix something else a little bit of Netflix but I like doing a lot of crossword puzzles so I got a crossword puzzle book that keeps me busy and um, you know just just reading reading magazines you know doing whatever anything that I can to keep me busy get on my phone get on Twitter you know whatever so well, Grayson Rodriguez, who had 129 strikeouts in 94 innings in the South Atlantic League last year with that uh, dominant 2.68 ERA, one of the top pitching prospects in baseball. We appreciate it so much, Grayson. Uh, hopefully we'll see you in Baltimore uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, thank you all for having me. It was an honor. Time now for our insider segment, and we go to our massing colleague and the former Oriole and former number one overall pick, Big Ben McDonald, and as we record this on a Monday, the day after uh, the bizarre conclusion of the Orioles and Nationals, uh, Big Ben, what did we see yesterday at Nationals Park? Well, I think most of us saw something we've never seen before, which is, uh, you know, can happen sometimes in a baseball game, Uh, but it wasn't the baseball game. It was the attempt to put a tarp on the field, and I I can honestly say, guys, like you guys, uh, I've seen a lot of tarps go on and off of a field. This took the cake by a long shot. You know, I said on the air, it almost reminds me of one of my uh, 
bass fishing reels when I backlash it, it just goes into a big wasp nest, a big buzz. You know, I've never seen a tarp go out as they were pushing it out, but go in at the same time. So they were going out and coming in at the same time. So it was very strange. Uh, it was comical, but it wasn't because we knew that we were in for a long rain delay when that happened. Um, but look, it is what it is. So, uh, you know, something new every day. What can you say? Big Ben, the Orioles, they got to Steven Strasburg in the fifth inning yesterday. That was really encouraging to see. But the best inning of the weekend came in the eighth inning where they scored five times. What did that inning and having back-to-back pinch hit home runs and putting some of those at-bats together in that eighth inning on Saturday tell you about this team? Well, you know, it told you what you saw last time, last year rather, and it told you again what you – seeing at times this year is this team just never gives up like it's always in it you know in it to win it while it doesn't seem like it all the time this team has fought from behind so many times you know over the last couple of years I think a a tip of the cap to Brandon Hyde the coaching staff and the players that have a lot of want to to and you guys remember that game I mean that's one of those games where you look at back and you say well the Orioles stole that one it was a steal right because you go back and look I think the Orioles had been retired in order six or five of seven innings or maybe six of seven innings in that game. Like there was no shot they were coming back from that ball game. And all of a sudden Brandon Hyde pushes all the right buttons. And, you know, you get a couple pinch hit home runs, which I think has been done four, what, four times in Oriole history, uh, three times in, in back-to-back, you know, back-to-back pinch hit home runs, you know. And then you get an awesome at bat by, you know, Austin Hayes, who, you know, a really tough pitcher. And he, I think it was a 10 pitch at bat. He fought off some tough pitches. He ends up walking. You get a single by – Alberto and of course Anthony Santander just you know hits an opposite field home run so that was fun to see you know and uh you know really guys the only games that was weird to me that I felt like the Orioles I'm not gonna say they didn't compete but I just didn't see that want to and that effort is maybe the first three games of the Marlins series you know it just felt like they had lost some energy for whatever reason after the off day but you know past that uh, there's a bit a ton of energy this year a ton of energy, uh, you know, in the national series as well. And you know, hate to see the game get postponed yesterday because of mechanical issues uh, with the tarp, whatever that means. But anyway, we are where we are. Ben, when can we kind of look at this team and not maybe not even the team collectively, but the individuals like Nunez, Alberto, Rio, a lot of the uh, pitchers in the back end like Tanner Scott, Miguel Castro and say, you know what? They have moved the needle in their careers. They have, they have pushed it forward. They have gotten better. When can we kind of start believing that in, in some sort of final way that I know it's only now basically 15 games of the year, the quarter pole of the season, but it seems like a, a marked difference for that group of players. No, I, I agree with you. You know, you talk about Santander, you talk about Alberto, uh, you know, even Pedro Severino. I mean, guys that really got, you know, big league at bats for the first time last year. So you wonder if the league didn't know them and they had some success last year. You wonder what their really second full year uh, would be like. And although it won't be a full year, you're starting to get an idea. These guys are starting to establish themselves as, uh, you know, everyday big league players just going to play for a while. You know, I think, you know, Santander, what is he, 25, 26, switch hitter, good body, plays the outfield. Uh, Alberto, I mean, what can you say? I mean, you thought last year, okay, there's no way he could hit left-handers like he did again this year, you know, do it again this year. Well, he's doing it and he's hitting right-handers better uh, along the way. Pedro Severino and some others. So uh, these guys are starting to establish themselves as people you can pencil in in a big league situation for another four or five years, potentially. 
we've all been waiting on Castro to show this type of consistency, right? I mean, it's plus-plus stuff, the slider. You know, that that slider he threw uh, to end the, the end the game the other day when he picked up a slave, guys, I mean, that thing was – it was dirty. You know, I don't know if I've ever seen him throw uh, a slider that dirty. Um, it was an awesome pitch. He throws 98 to 100 miles an hour. Uh, I love Sulcer. You know, Sulcer just – the boy has no scar tissue, right? Like, what happened to him against the Yankees? Like, it ain't no scar tissue there. You know, he just forgot about it. He flushed it. He went on about his business. Uh, I love that about him. You know, so I started – you know, I think this whole process, guys, and you know this, is Mike Elias and Brandon Hyde is trying to see who fits into the future of this club. Not right now. We're talking about three years from now when this club's going to be competitive every day with no matter who they play. And I think you're starting to see some of those pieces going to show up to, okay, this guy's going to be part of this in three years from now. This guy's going to be part of this in three years from now. There's not a whole lot of guys I don't think you could say that about, but those four or five that we're talking about, I think you're going to see them in an Oriole uniform for a while. Tommy Malone, Ben, he threw the ball great on Friday. It kind of got lost in the fact that the Orioles won 11 to nothing and had their, their best game of the year offensively. He's thrown the last 11 innings. He's given up one run. How does this continue? Can this continue? I think it definitely can continue. You know, I mean, look, he's going to have his moments, you know, where you give up the big shot. I mean, this happens in today's game. You give up a big three-run home run. That happens. But the way he's pitching right now, you know, in Boston, it wasn't in his first start of the year. He got an opening day start. He never has a nerve issue. I don't care if you're a, a veteran guy or not. But since then, he's been so good. And he's working the inside part of the plate enough with that fastball, which isn't a, you know, a high mile-per-hour fastball. But it's precision with him. And right now, the mechanics are locked in. He's a veteran guy. He understands how to pitch. We saw him in a big bases loaded situation the other day, take a little bit off on the changeup, which has been his best pitch, and get a ground ball. So I think this can continue. Now, he's not going to continue at this rate, you know, where he gives up one, one run in 11 innings, but he can continue and throw up quality starts for you. In other words, he can be a guy, I think, that can pitch five or six innings every time out and give up two or three runs. You know, I think he has that in him to do that. And the way the Orioles are swinging the bats right now, with the exception of the three games in the Marlins series, he can rack up some wins, you know. And so uh, you wonder, with, a, with 16 teams making the playoffs, is he going to be around? If he keeps pitching like he's pitching, is he potentially a part of a trade item out there? So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But you, you got to like the way he's, uh, he's pitching right now. Big Ben McDonald, uh, we appreciate so much. One for the ages on Sunday against the Washington Nationals. We'll never see anything like that again. <laughs> You're right about that. I hope we never see anything like that again. That's Big Ben and Jeff. Uh, coming up uh, today, in reality, as this thing drops, we have a three-game series, O's at the Phillies, and we'll be calling those games together on the Orioles radio network. So we look forward to that. And then the Orioles have a long homestand. And, you know, listen, we're at the quarter pole this season. If the Orioles are going to hang around this thing, obviously we're at a critical point. Yeah, they've, they've done a really good job so far in multiple facets. Tommy Malone's been great. Uh, Wade LeBlanc, he didn't pitch as well in his last outing against the Marlins, but first two outings, he threw the ball really well against the Red Sox and the Rays, um, two teams with pretty good offenses. And then you have on the offensive side, Iglesias continues to produce. You've got Anthony Santander doing that. Ruiz is back healthy after he missed a week on account of the shoulder issue. So there, there are a lot of things to be encouraged by. Alberto as well for, for what he's been able to put together. There's a lot of reasons why I think you should be encouraged right now. And I don't think any of us want to leap too far ahead 
just because we are aware that the Orioles are in the middle of a rebuilding mode. But the starting pitchers, I think their success and the fact that they have done a better job of pitching deeper into games has allowed Brandon Hyde to set up his bullpen. And when he's had the ability to put guys in the right spots, he has, and the Orioles have generally succeeded. And then offensively, it's going to be about can you continue to be as aggressive as you are being and put up the numbers that you are. There's going to be times where you're going to have to make adjustments, and it's going to be on the hitters to remember, uh, be aggressive, but also don't be in a hurry either. If you don't get the pitch that you want on the first one, make sure you're, you're still hunting for your fastball and then attack from there. But a lot of good stuff right now from the Orioles. I think it's been cool what Cole Sulcer has been able to put together, having never been a closer before in the big leagues, having not really pitched in many high-leverage situations before. There's some people being put in spots where maybe they, they haven't been in, in previously, but it's been still fun to watch them produce, and hopefully it continues. And one person I also want to highlight is Tanner Scott. You saw Tanner when, Jeff, and I mean, he had to come to get to this point so far. And listen, it can leave him. He still battles it uh, as far as consistency and, and finding the strike zone. But can you kind of elaborate on how far he's come from when you saw him? When he was in Frederick, he had this one stretch where we would bring him in usually at the end of games to close, or we'd bring him in in maybe like the eighth inning. And there was one outing I remember in particular where, and Rick Peterson was here at the time, and he was kind of the one overseeing pitching. And Grace and, and Tanner couldn't throw a strike at all. He was all over the place. He allowed a bunch of runs to score. And they told him, you got to stop trying to be Superman and you got to just focus on being yourself because you have plenty of good enough stuff. And so I, I, we saw a number of those outings when he was in the Carolina League where he's up and down and he's kind of struggling. And eventually he put some good outings together. You know, he probably had like eight or 10 in a row that were pretty good. Goes up to Bowie. And then he's gotten to the major leagues and it's been up and down this year. He's gotten off to a good start. As long as he can keep his fastball command where it needs to be. When, when he's done that, he's been really good. He's danced around some spots where his fastball command hasn't been good, but his slider has been able to get him out of that. And he's still very much in the development stages as a pitcher. But if he can consistently give you good fastball and slider command, then that could provide you with another key arm that you can use at the back end of your bullpen. But he's gotten the Orioles out of some, some pretty challenging spots, and you're certainly hopeful that'll continue. It seems like he's really – move the needle. All right, that does it for this edition of Inside the Yard. Thank you so much for being with us. Orioles and Phillies starting uh, Tuesday night through Thursday, and they'll uh, then welcome the Nationals to town over the weekend. Thanks for being with us, everyone. Be safe.